On today's episode of SSI Executive Conversations, Brian Stegall of Sherg Solutions sits down with Barb Wills. Barb Wills is a 20-year seasoned vet in medtech marketing strategy. They talk about the capstone candidate, voice of customer, and the many kernels of information that Barb has obtained over her time in the industry. Hey, uh, this is Brian Stegall. We are uh, so happy today to have Barb Wills here on the SSI Executive Conversations podcast. Uh, Barb Wills is an accomplished marketing leader with advanced knowledge of the medical device and pharmaceutical industries. Uh, She's equally adept at strategic management across product portfolios or full vertical marketing. Barb's a strong clinical liaison and cross-functional team player, adept at leveraging web assets using complex metrics and ROI analysis to drive revenue. She has extensive experience researching and assessing competitive landscapes to maximize product development efforts and improve profitability. Barb earned her bachelor's degree in biology from Indiana University and her MBA from Texas A&M University. She began her career in the healthcare field, holding positions in sales training and sales management in the health insurance industry before moving into similar roles in the pharmaceutical industry, earning national sales awards with two different companies. Barb began her tenure in the medical industry, medical device industry, with a special obstetrics company based in San Antonio, Texas, and spent four years helping to establish U.S. Surgical's Women's Health Division, most notably developing a new surgeon training course. Barb's held director of marketing roles working with soft tissue implants at RTI Biologics and Oxygen. Barb, thanks again so much for being a part of this. Well, thank you for inviting me, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Now, we, you know, before we get into all the business stuff, right? You you knew I was going to throw you a curveball at some point. Um, I want to briefly talk about you being a member of the Indiana Hoosier women's collegiate basketball team in your career. Yeah, that was uh, that was a while back. Um, I actually played uh, college ball for two years. And first year was Division Two at a commuter school, and then at Indiana Division One. And uh, let's just say, <laughs> big difference. Um, yeah. But learned a lot. Uh, I sat the bench mostly, but I was on the team and, and practiced, and uh, it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but I'm from Indiana, so that's what we do. We we eat corn and we play basketball. <laughs> oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. What a start. I love it. Yeah. So you and I have had multiple conversations um, about how your talents are, are really going to make you a valuable asset to your next organization. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so we've got a lot to talk about today, but I wanted to start with discussing the term capstone candidate. Uh, I've heard you describe yourself with this term uh, in our conversations. And I just really want you to share what that means. Well, thank you for asking, Brian. I, I use that terminology from um, what I learned in MBA school the last uh, semester in the program I was in at Texas A&M. We were required to take a course called the Capstone course, okay. and it was the last semester of the program, and the idea was that you had to bring, in order to pass the class, you had to bring to the final project something you learn from every discipline. So economics, finance, accounting, marketing, management, all the courses you had taken, and you had to bring some part of each of those with you to succeed. And 
I think of myself in that way as a capstone candidate because I'm deep into my career at this point. Um, there's still a lot more to learn, a lot more to do, but I, I'm also bringing a lot with me along the way. And if you think of um, capstone, it's almost like a keystone, like in an arch. If you think of the St. Louis Arch, the last piece that goes in is the cap, is the key, keystone, and it capstones that same idea. Is it's kind of what holds up everything else. So it's the foundation. It's the culmination of everything you learned up until that point. And so I'm looking for a similar opportunity, capstone opportunity that will utilize what I've learned to get here. So. That's really cool. So that's that's a great concept. And I think, uh, did you, uh, you said you came up with that. Is that correct? Well, I didn't come up with the word capstone, but yes, I did come up with the, that. About the keystone part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's uh, the, yeah. creative marketing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do love my analogies. <laughs> That's I love it. I love so. it. So, um, you know, tell me in your past roles, just, in, you don't have, again, just a couple, you know, how you've been able to apply that in, in a couple instances. I think, you know, initially my, my very first marketing role, as you mentioned, was with a tiny company in San Antonio called Prism Healthcare, which was later acquired by Cooper Surgical. Um, I, that was my first marketing role, and the, a colleague I was working with who had the flagship product left the company, so I was asked to take over product development for that, that product line. And I didn't, you know, I was new to obstetrics, didn't really know much about it, it was a vacuum assisted pump for assisted deliveries. Uh, I had to learn fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in my very first product development meeting, uh, the engineers were talking about creating or delivering instant vacuum for the physician okay. at the touch of a button, which was a cool idea. Um, I asked a simple question, do doctors need instant vacuum? Because we all know babies don't come that quickly, right? And so I got a lot of funny looks around the table, but I quickly realized there was a big disconnect. And so I went to the inventor of the pump, went out to Colorado, spent two, three days with him, um, learned as much as I could, as quickly as I could. And I came back and spoke to the CEO and I said, I think we're going down the wrong path. We're not delivering what our customers want. So we did, and, and that really came from my sales background. I said, where's the voice of customer? Where, what does the customer want? What does the customer need? Well, we just want to upgrade our, our product, which is admirable. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to do a redesign and spend the money to redesign, there needs to be, you've got to be able to answer, but why? It always comes back to, but why? And there wasn't a good answer to my, to my way of thinking at that point. So we regrouped, we course corrected, um, Ten months later, we launched a brand new redesigned Mighty Vac pump, and then 18 months later, we had regained our market leadership position. So, um, and, and wow. again, I didn't do all that myself, but I was the one who said, "Wait a minute, we're not answering the but why question." So, yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be a large topic of what we talk about today, particularly right. with your experiences about how companies, you know, they're looking at all the peripherals and they don't really focus on specifically, hey, are, are, we, are we asking the right question? Uh, sure. And again, voice of customer, yeah, this is kind of the topic of, of what um, and, and how you've grown your, your career. Um, exactly. And that's a great example. And you and I, uh, what I, I love this 
um, example that I'm going to ask you to tell about. Um, you worked, uh, it went into a surgery center and you were part of the marketing team, but you went in with the sales rep right. and you sat in on the surgeries and you had your little notebook and you were writing down your notes and you never really looked up to the surgery right. and everybody thought, wow, oh, wow, Barb's squeamish about this. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. So, so why, why is that? Yeah, I, I got kidded about that a lot, um, partly because I was new at the company. And so the sales reps all thought I had a weak stomach. But the reality is we we believe more what we see with our eyes than what we hear with our ears. And so the reason I wasn't looking was because I wanted to rely completely on what I was hearing for my cues. Um, and it's really hard to do that, actually, because surgery is fascinating. <laughs> But um, I would sit there and really focus on my notebook and listen. And I, what I was listening for were, was a change in the tone of the conversation. Um, a, a surgeon who was talking about his golf game and suddenly stopped. So there's tension in the air. You can feel it. So I'm trying to use all my senses except for my eyes. Um, and what I did then was look up at that moment and see what is happening right now. And, and it was always with with the particular surgeries we were doing a visualization or access issue and then I could see okay here's what's happening and then I could also talk to the surgeon afterwards and say what was happening when and hear what he or she had to say about that moment what did you need that you didn't have and you can ask begin to ask those types of questions and ultimately uh, one of the things that came out of these observations was we had something called legacy handpiece so we had electrosurgical devices, and with that particular company, um, the head engineer was allowed to design the handpiece, which was a great legacy for the engineer and for the company. Right. But unfortunately, we were delivering products that had each had a different handpiece. And so a lot of times when the surgeon was struggling, it was because they were trying to figure out that handpiece. Um, so that was a change we made, and part of that was, and, and there were other people involved as well, but that was one of the big changes we made as a result of those observations. So Yeah, yeah, one little small adjustment. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, obviously listening is, uh, good listening skills are good not only for business, but also in life in general, right? right? Exactly. Um, but but you, you've done a lot with education as well, uh, you know, and which is, I think, critically important. And you built yeah. training programs. You know, how important is making sure that the, the customer or the surgeon or the caregivers are really properly trained on, you know, a company's product or therapy? You know, give us some examples of how you may have done that. Yeah, that's, you know, I think sometimes um, education is undervalued as a marketing strategy. It can be a strategy all its own, and in some cases it should be. Um, I'll give you an example. When I, when I was director of marketing for Cooper Surgical, we, when I got there, we had already, the company had already launched a uh, flexible hysteroscope yeah. to look inside the uterine, to look at the uterine lining. And Cooper Surgical had um, really a, a core competence in, in office procedures, right? So this was to be done in the office, um, much better for the patient, much more comfortable for the patient in many ways, uh, better reimbursement, all those things. But, but the disconnect for us was we didn't realize the gynecologists who were trained to do hysteroscopy in the OR with a rigid scope 
and a, an anesthetized patient, we're now being asked, we're asking them to use a flexible scope in the office with an awake patient. That's a big job. Um, and I think we undervalued, underappreciated um, the learning curve and the confidence curve, which you never ever talk about with surgeons, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. right. It's, it's there. And so what we did, because we were already on the market, um, what the company did was then create a clinical education sales force, and we completely changed our approach. Now, that's an expensive proposition to do that. But once you're in the market, it's not a bad thing to, to, to pivot to if you need to. Right. What, what we should have done, the miss there was we should have um, put the education piece in from the very beginning. And it would have been more powerful. But we, like I said, we course corrected, and it's okay to make a mistake. Just to understand, again, that was voice a miss a missed opportunity with voice of customer because our customers would have told us, "This is tough. This is a tough um, switch, right?" Yeah. And yeah. you can imagine, not even knowing about the actual procedure, you can imagine how difficult that is to make that switch. So we of course corrected, and I was part of that that you know team that. Kind of put that together it was part of that whole effort there that's awesome and the revenues continue to grow uh, but what it does is by adding the education piece we realized we could then take those clinical educators and we could put them across other product lines with those same physicians so it ended up being a real boon for the company even though it didn't start out being part of the strategy so so that's what what happened there that's amazing well, I, I, I would be remiss if I did not talk about uh, the next example, because, again, you and I've had many conversations, um, you know, a lot of organizations, you know, are talking about, you know, they've got a product and they've launched it and it's going great. And then all of a sudden, for some particular reason, mm -hmm. it, it tends to level out. Right. It's right. It's not the trajectory uh, for the revenue and, and, and what's going on with that particular product. And, you know, I think some sometimes companies get stuck on, all right, now, what are we going to do? And I am uh, I'm going to let you tell about the, uh, the the financial advantage of this example at the end. So I won't spoil it for everyone. Um, but but you took a very stagnant product line for a particular company and, and you really turned it around and inevitably. Did something else uh, to to that was very advantageous for the, for right. the company. So, exactly. tell me about that. Well, this was a, a company that I went to work for, Oxygen, and initially I was hired as a consultant yeah. uh, because with sometimes with smaller companies they don't have the headcount, so they bring in a consultant. I did eventually become an employee, but when I when I first came in, the chief marketing officer said, you know, we've got this product line, it's not doing very well. Uh, it's been out on the market about five years, and it's very flat. And she literally said to me, see what you can do with it. So <laughs> I love no that. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> but also kind of no guardrails. I like that. Um, because then I could be totally creative and, and I could dig in. And one of the things that I am good at is finding what I call the kernel. And that is, um, what is the one thing, I always think of city slickers, what's the one thing that if customers knew about your product or service, they would care about. Real easy question to ask, really difficult to answer sometimes. So in this case, I kept thinking about it. Now remember the capstone 
right. example. Right. I had just come from RTI Biologics, and I knew about biologic implants, and I knew processing was critical to post-implant healing. And one thing surgeons always want to talk about is healing, because they do this surgery, they close you up, then they go home and try to sleep, <laughs> and they hope that they did everything right, right? I'm exaggerating here, but there's some truth uh, I, as well, right? Yeah. So, so I thought about this and I thought, wow, there is something here that we should be talking about that we're not. But in order to validate that, I went out and did what I always do, which is go work in the field with sales reps. And I worked with our best reps and I worked with some that weren't as good. And none of them were talking about this one thing. Not one person mentioned it. The colonel. The colonel. So I went back to the chief marketing officer and I said, I think we've got something here. And I told her what it was. I told her what I wanted to do. And she said, go for it. And I got great corporate su executive support for it. Um, and I and I began to build a story around that colonel. And the colonel was all about healing. I won't go into the details, but it was all about what happens post-implantation because it's critical to, to healing and ultimately outcomes. So um, what happened then was we bu I built a, a, a campaign around it, all new collateral, and because I had, a, <laughs> again, my capstone, because I had a background in sales training, I built a really simple sales training technique guide for the sales rep and deliver, reps and delivered that at our relaunch meeting. Made it super simple for everybody to get right to that kernel in every conversation right. with the surgeon. Um, we then added a uh, physician online discussion forum and we launched all of it at the same time as though it was a brand new product. And we went from uh, 4 million in revenue to 24 million, just under 24 million in the space of 30 months. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. But we also had about 150% increase in our flagship product, which was our cadaver nerve, which is probably the most important um, implant or product come, to come along for nerve repair in at least 40 years. Um, and so I feel good about that because more patients got better outcomes, better procedures, better healing, and everybody everybody won. So. Yeah. That, it's, it's that, powerful. yeah, powerful. that that's impactful. Uh, yeah. And so, um, you know, just taking a step back sometimes, right? right. Um, we live in a digital world right now, right? With market yeah. access and talking about marketing. And you have yeah. experience with launching digital marketing, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the companies I worked for had was, was really getting into uh, digital marketing, had a set up a whole team for this and each member of the team had a different specialty so I kept spending time with them one-on-one -on -one to pick their brains because I don't I didn't really know anything about it obviously I engage every, we all do with our cell phones right with our phones um, but it was interesting to see how you can tweak your message just a little bit and get a lot more eyeballs a lot more clicks a lot of right. is and so um, I had I had a um, at that time, we had a, um, an FDA advisory letter that came out about endoscopes, and we happened to be in that business. 
But we had something special about our endoscope. Again, what's that one thing? There was something special about our endoscope that we didn't fall into that bucket. And so what we did is we built a built a campaign around what made us different and why you don't have to worry about our scope. And so we put that up and we had we put up some pretty big numbers. Now part of that was because it was about the FDA, but it was also a message that resonated. It was timely. It was something doctors were thinking about, or actually the staff was thinking about in the hospital administration. So it was putting together that kernel again. This is something they're thinking about. Here's a solution they probably haven't thought about. They don't care about it because they don't know why they should. So that's that following yeah. the same formula. I bet if they knew, they would care. And I, <laughs> right. that's what I look at. That's, I try to use it as my guiding force is what's that one thing. And if I can figure out what that is, I can build a story around it. And it's almost guaranteed it will resonate with customers. So yeah. it's pretty powerful. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. So, you know, we've talked a lot. Thank you so much for all your examples and your expertise. And, you know, you've done a little bit of everything. Yeah. You, know, you have a sales, you have a marketing, you have a business development background, um, you know, quite holistic when it comes to, you know, a commercial yeah. space. And, um, you know, you've shared so many of the nuggets, right? The kernels, right. like you said. Um, what do you want... Uh, uh, potential organizations, you know, that are out there, you know, any final thoughts and, you know, how we close this out and, and what does the next chapter look like for your career? Uh, and, and, you know, what, what, what obviously, you know, can, are you going to be able to, to bring to them outside of all these other things we've talked about, you know, you know, tell me yeah. what you're looking for uh, in the future. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for asking. I, I, as I mentioned early, as we mentioned early on in, in the podcast is the capstone idea. Yeah. Um, I'm a capstone candidate looking for a capstone opportunity. Love it. And generally speaking, that comes with a smallish company, small to maybe low medium sized company where you, they can't necessarily hire all the resources they need. So they need a utility player. <laughs> so that's me. Uh, you know, in my basketball career, I started out playing center because I was taller than all the other girls. And by the time I finished, I was a shooting guard way away from the basket. <laughs> so I learned all those different positions. Um, that's what was needed at the time. And that's kind of what I do here uh, in my professional life is I say, what what's needed? And the actual marketing skills are the same. Marketing strategies are differ a little bit, but it doesn't matter what the product or service is. You still have to go through the same steps to get eyes and ears, um, and more importantly, to change buying behavior. And that's why that kernel is so important. That's what I'm good at, is digging out the kernels, because that always resonates with customers, and that always has the potential to change the buying decision. So, you know, having come from sales, I want to move the business forward. That's what I do. Now, personally, I like to move the business forward because I'm here to serve patients, and that's very, I'm very passionate about that. But the reality is it also helps the company. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're in the you know profit making business and that's fine. But ultimately, I want to do the right thing for patients. And when you do that, your your revenues follow. I mean, they always yeah. do. So that's that's who I am. That's what I hope to be doing next. And, um, you know, I want to make a big splash. So I love it. I love it. So thank you again so much for for being with us. And sharing sharing your 
experience because that that's really you know what we wanted to get out there um, you know about you and how you focus on that voice of the customer in many different types of ways not just one singular way but listening you know having those uh, ways that you can really do that um, and so again we we really appreciate you being on well thank you brian it's been a pleasure to be here and i look forward to more conversation so i'm going to close this out I want you, Barb, to be able to tell us that one question that's so easy to ask, but so hard to answer for everyone else. We'll close the podcast out so they'll remember okay. that. Okay. Go. So it's the one thing. What's the one thing about your product or service that if your customers knew about or prospective customers knew about, they would care about? If they Love knew, it. they would care. Love that's it. the version. What a great closeout. Thanks, Barb. <laughs> Thank you. For the video recording of this podcast, along with additional resources, make sure to find us on the web at SureGSolutions.com and follow us on social media and LinkedIn at SureGSolutions.